With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. The creators of Cold Case Files and PD Stories comes an awesome new true crime podcast, I Survived. I Survived shares firsthand accounts of amazing stories of survival. We've got a teaser for I Survived at the end of this episode, so stick around and check that out so you can be sure to subscribe and not miss any episodes. <laughs> it ain't mine. Alrighty, it is March 19th. This is our fourth straight PFF forecast. Uh, that's that's how you, day four of quarantine, and it's the fourth podcast. How are you hanging in over there, brother? Things are good. Honestly, um, before I before I started working at PFF, my hours were so strange because I you know teach and then I would work in the middle of the night. I sort of like acquired those hours. So I noticed you like you sending the Slack message at like two a.m. being like, "Hey, Slay got traded," and I'm like, "Sweet!" Like we're you like were the only two it. up. We're you like were the only on two it. awake. But then, but then that means like getting up at like nine thirty is a struggle, you know. So I might, by the time everything gets normal again, my hours are going to be, it's going to be an adjustment. I have been, um, I've been getting up at 445 because I'm on the West coast and I can, I can totally understand why people that live on the West coast just ignore like everything that happens everywhere else. Cause it's impossible to try and stay on that timeline. Um, so that's, that's my big takeaway from the quarantining process. Um, we're going to do some fun stuff today. So here's what we've got. We're going to do a little TB12 versus Bill Belichick debate. I think that'll be kind of interesting. Look at both sides of it. Talk Darius Slay, obviously. We're going to talk a little bit about um, how maybe the Patriots' next move might influence, you know, kind of some things that happen league-wide. Uh, maybe we'll talk about Todd Gurley. Who knows? to be seen if we can reach an agreement there. And then uh, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the draft and how the moves that have been made so far, including the Darius Slay one perhaps, indicate um, some changes that might happen uh, in the draft. So let's start here. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, who makes it to a Super Bowl first? I'll give you the floor. I'll let you go first here. 
Well, I think that I don't think Brady's going to last very long. So I'm going to go with Belichick. How how long do you think he plays? Two I think Brady, Brady plays two more years. I think, yeah, I think he plays two more years. So basically you're looking at and you're going, okay, Tampa Bay's got two shots. They have to go through, you know, a, an NFC that is good but doesn't have – they don't have one team or or even maybe two like the AFC has where you go, they're for sure an underdog to this quarterback or this team, right? Like certainly we could see a case going into this season. We talked about this yesterday where the Patriots could be the favorite, right? They could – or sorry, the, the Bucks could be the favorite, right? Some things could happen. Some moves could be made. They didn't get Chris Harris Jr., but there's still some guys out there, right? Say they sign – um, Emmanuel Sanders, right? And all of a sudden they've got that trio of wide receivers, those two tight ends. Um, and uh, I, I just think there's so many different things uh, that could happen that could make them at least one of the favorites, if not the favorite in the NFC. On the other side, though, the Patriots, for my money, that hinges basically on a, a draft pick hitting, right? Because who else... It, it doesn't seem like there's anyone that's coming in there this side of Andrew Luck who is making them all of a sudden a contender again, right? Andrew Luck is an interesting one. Um, are his, yes, you're, now, you're right, are, but it – go ahead. I was going to say, are his – if he were to come out of retirement, did, can he just go to any team? He still has his the, – the Colts still have his rights. Yeah, the Colts still have his rights. So it would – it would it would have to be a situation where they work something out, which would make it difficult for them. But it, it's just to me, it's about time horizon. The the Brady has two years probably to do it, and Belichick probably has five to ten years to do it. I I think it might be less than that for Bill, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the 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 I would say I would lay a decent amount. Um. Even mo- if if you were offering me even money on neither one, I would lay, I would bet the max on um, on Bill. No, no, on neither one winning. Oh, okay, right. But what if you had to bet one? If you had to bet one side to make it, just to make it there, I would still say it's tough because the AFC is a lot harder than the NFC at the well yeah. at the top end. Uh, it's not, it's not, it's not easy, but I would still say Belichick because I do think he's got at least twice as much time. Okay. All right. So this brings us to, I think the two, the the real question is I would expect, I would expect the bucks to be, to, to have a shot, right? You would expect them to make it to an NFC championship, um, you know, over the next two years, give them a shot, right? Like, I think that's, that's a decent expectation for the Patriots right now. It looks like Jared Stidham. Let's just talk about Jared Stidham for a second. Like what do we know about Jared Stidham? Not very much. I watched all five of his pass, uh, passing plays from last season. Uh, if, if anyone, if anyone gets on TV and starts using what he did last season, uh, they should be fired immediately. Um, and then I went and took a look at what he did at Auburn, and it was very interesting. He had a decent uh, junior year and then a very unimpressive 
uh, senior year that led him to be our 10th quarterback on the board. Yeah, he was a negative. So we, I make fun of Jordan Love for having a zero wins above average, um, but Stidham was negative in 2018. Um, in the college to pro system, his comps were Colt McCoy, Josh Allen, EJ Manuel, uh, Blake Bortles. Um, and so I would say when I first saw that, I think Belichick's tanking and that's okay. Like yeah. he's, a, I think a perfect tank quarterback. He, and, and you know, what we talked about yesterday, I think holds true. Like the, even if you get like, let's say that you want to get a quarterback to come in and help you tank, like they're not going to practice probably till what July, August, like they're not gonna be in the building. So he at least has, has a year in the offense. Uh, people probably like him there, you know, locker room wise. Um, and so I think it makes a lot of sense for them to go with Stidham, but it, it makes a lot of sense for them to go with Stidham and then tank. If they go, I mean, if they ride with Stidham, there's, there should be no question that they're tanking. If they go with, say they trade for Jacoby Brissett. To me, that would send a signal of, Maybe we're not tanking, and maybe Bill Belichick has too much pride in himself. I, I, to me, this that question about who makes it back to a Super Bowl first is how much, how much overconfidence does Bill Belichick have in himself to win with anyone? Because if if you're telling me, hey, the Patriots are going to make it back to a Super Bowl before Tom Brady, or you know, first, that hinges on them tanking this year and getting a truly great quarterback with, you know, the first or second pick, you know, whether it's Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields and that guy being maybe not Patrick Mahomes, but having a similar impact on a team with a great infrastructure. And over the next, you know, three years, they're four years, they're able to make it back. Whereas Tom Brady's retired and, and, you know, calling Monday night football at that point. Um, If they go Jacoby Brissett, to me, that signals, actually, we're going to try and win now. I bet you, I could still be better than, than Arians and Brady. Yeah, I just I don't maybe and maybe he's a little bit more this way, but I don't see Belichick as somebody who's petty enough to want to beat Brady. Like I think I think Belichick is somebody who is trying to win the Super Bowl and sort of knows that anything. I mean, the you're right. With if Sidham was the quarterback, it would be a very clear and obvious tank. If Josh Rosen was the quarterback, you could make an argument that there is something like Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback all the way up to Cam Newton and Jameis. You can make an argument that there's some level of trying to win there. Right. But, but like, I, I just see Belichick as somebody who's saying, look, I have the most storied career in the history of the NFL as a head coach. I want to coach longer it, you know, I was said this to you in Slack. It's sort of like the, you know, how people are responding to the coronavirus, right? It's, it's like, okay, I can try to live life normally and take a gamble that this is nothing and, you know, have my life only, you know, only minimally inconvenienced, right? Yep. For, you know, uh, essentially what is called selling the tail. Like I'm going to sell the fact that this could be a catastrophic thing, right? Yep. And to me, that's what the that's what the the Patriots would be doing if they try not to tank this year. They would acquire some quarterback like Cam Newton. They try to make things you know make things be moderately okay, 
And at the same time, like there's still a huge chance that they're not any good anymore and they're going to have to tear it all up anyway. And whereas, you know, you could be taking the approach that, you know, we as a society are taking right now, which is to quarantine for months, you know, with the and all take a big inconvenience right now for the chance that everything is mostly back to normal in a few months. Right. And I think that that's what Belichick's sort of thinking about. It's like, well, like, let's just not do this half ass. Let's like come out of this an actual team, uh, you know, on the back end and get to do everything from scratch. Right. Because right now, like if you try to like look at what Minnesota's trying to do, it's for God's sakes. It's like everything is so like hodgepodge. Still, like, how does everything fit together? There's no and they're all they're trying to do is get to 10 and six. Right. Whereas at least I think what Belichick's trying to do is to be sustainably good in 2021 and beyond. Right. The the Bears are certainly taking the the first approach, which is um, I have scheduled a spring break in Florida and come <laughs> hell or high water. I'm going to be French kissing someone I've never met before within the next 24 hours. And if I get coronavirus, I'm, you know, I'm going to fight it off. And that's what the Nick Foles move is like. The funny thing is that there's still a group that you haven't mentioned yet, which are the people that think um, the apocalypse and bird box is about to happen and are buying like essentials as if, you know, it there is going to there are going to be aliens out there like with uh, never before seen weapons that are hunting us down within the next week. I don't know which NFL team that is. Uh, but the Patriots tanking would certainly be the shrewd move, which is, hey, for two months, for one year, I can very easily sacrifice some of these creature comforts like being an average NFL team. Right. And then uh, two years from now, I can potentially go back to living in an economy that's in a great place. And, you know, all these things are much better. And my my uh, my life is great, whereas I don't you know, and I don't risk the. Oh, actually, we're in recession for two years. Whole type deal. Yeah, and do you think that being an average football team has any appeal? Has any value um, to to Belichick? Right, right, probably not. Right, like, so everybody like, praises him for the Matt Castle year, but like in all, in all honesty, that year is probably seen as a waste from him. When your boat is named after the number of Super Bowl rings you have. You do not care about being an average football team. Yeah. When you're Ryan Pace and you traded up for Mitchell Trubisky, you would you would trade a boat for nine and seven, <laughs> which is which is essentially what they're you know they're trying to do. They are doing anything and everything to to have some possibility of saving an average season. But it, it's if Mitchell also Trubisky's bad. They can go with Nick Foles. Well, and this is something I've thought about as a research project, relative, you know, is this idea of it's not ergodic, right? It's not time averages and spatial averages are different than each other. You know, mm-hmm. so Ryan Pace's time average and his spatial average are I'm trying to think of like a way to think about it. But like Pace is making decisions that are his time horizons shorter, he, right? He doesn't. He, 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 Brian Pace doesn't have five years. So because because the, the issue is, is like everybody always talks about those experiments with Kahneman and Tversky and, and uh, Richard Thaler where, you know, you, you you offer somebody the side of a bet and it's, you know, 55, 45 and almost everybody takes the wrong side and they call it risk aversion. But in reality, I mean, there's some level of staying alive. There's yeah. some level of like keeping and uh, 
Belichick has such a smaller probability of ruin than almost any of these guys. So he can make decisions that are sort of more, uh, he can make more bets that are different, right? Whereas Pace is sort of has to make these like silly bets, all, all individual silly bets just to lower his probability of ruin. Uh, and it, it's an interesting problem to think about. One thing that I was thinking about with the Patriots possibly tanking and how right that decision would be is whether that, if they do it, impacts the way that the rest of the league works because the Dolphins didn't didn't execute a tank very well, right? They end up with a fifth pick. Now, maybe it works out and they get Tua, but certainly the goal is to get the number one guy. And you look at the Bears and you go, okay, what if the Bears right now said we're going to wipe the slate clean and we're going to you know we're going to let Mitchell Trubisky uh, go out there and be terrible and we're going to trade any asset that we have and we're going to try and draft a quarterback next year now I, I think they can't they really can't do that because they've made the Khalil Mack trade which looks worse and worse as we talked about by the day but part of me wonders if they did that could Ryan Pace get like this second go at it and I think if the if the Pats execute this well, that'll allow teams that are in a similar situation to actually be able to go to their owner and go, hey, I know I fucked up. I know Mitchell Trubisky's bad. I know that I traded all these assets for a defensive player who doesn't, in the grand scheme of things, much matter because my quarterback sucks. But we're going to execute a tank. I'm the guy to lead the charge. And that might actually work. Yeah, that, yeah, that that's a good point. I mean, and... And the, the hard part is, is of course, the hard part is, is, you know, convincing your owner that you're the right person for that long-term deal because, yes. all, you know, because the history of the NFL is littered with GM of the year who are basically just regression uh, recipients, you know, yeah. and, and that, you know, and so owners think like, well, if I make a switch at GM, I'm going to get that, you know, it's sort of like that scheme change article that I I came out with. I was like, well, a lot of this is just having to do with you change coordinators when you're bad and you get better as a result. But, you know, the, and so well, well, it's, it's tough. all about humility. So if, if you go into it when you're about to take Mitchell Trubisky and you, you put your, you know, you lay your balls on the table and you go, hey, we're going to trade up for this guy. All of a sudden, when you come back and say, hey, we need to tank, you look like kind of a hypocrite, right? Because you said, actually, I know so much more than everyone else that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to move up instead of let things happen. But if you always preach, hey, this is a game of chance, we are going to give ourselves as many chances, right? Then when you come back to the bargaining table and you say, hey, the chances we took didn't work out. But we now need to be smart and quit while we can, quit early and start again. That gives you some credibility because at least you are still following a philosophy that's logical. Whereas I think Pace has tied, him, tied his hands behind his back because he can't say that now. He said, oh, Trubisky's the guy. I'm trading up. Oh, Trubisky's the guy. I, I'm going to now trade two firsts for Khalil Mack. Right? So now you come to the table and the guy looks you know, the owner looks at you and goes – yeah, you know, Virginia McCaskey's like you're an idiot. <laughs> the uh, we we got a we got some uh, comments on the YouTube's. Uh, one person whose name is Defund NASA says Bill Belichick would never tank. Interesting. I and I don't think that's a. I don't think that that is a ridiculous statement to make because 
Bill Belichick, just the same reasoning I used, which is to say, hey, I have a boat with a number of rings on it, it, you know, says, hey, I'm a prideful dude. And if I think that there's a shot in a weak division that with an average quarterback, I can get myself to the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, I can scheme defenses to the point where I can beat anybody. And how great would that be? Because if he, if he could do it, if he could win or get to a Super Bowl with fucking Jacoby Brissett, he just, he's retiring immediately, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I, I agree, but I but I I think he's far smarter than that. Like okay. he's the he's the coach that takes like the he he's the coach that they they used to call him Doom when he was the defensive coordinator of the New York Giants because he considered all the bad possibilities, and I, I don't know. I want to push back on that. I think you're giving Bill Belichick a little Greg Popovich service. You know, everyone in the NBA thinks Greg Popovich is the smartest coach to ever walk the face of the earth because David Robinson got hurt and they were terrible and got Tim Duncan. And like, he's certainly a very good coach, but like those things matter. And now the Spurs don't have a great Tim Duncan and they're really, really fucking average. And the Patriots have made, you know, they're not on the cutting edge of fourth down decision making. Um, they have done a very good job of not, you know, overpaying pass rushers, but that could be just a, a result of Bill Belichick's pride, to be perfectly honest. And they have had a really great quarterback for a really long time. So to, to immediately just say that he's too smart to make that move, to me, the one of the bigger takeaways I've had through free agency is, again, no one is really that – I think the Ravens maybe are, but aside from them, no one is really that galaxy brain, right? Like a lot of teams are just lucking into things and we either say, hey, they're smart or they're not based on where, where their luck falls. I do agree with that. I, I am, And we've reiterated that a number of times. Oftentimes we ascribe uh, meaning to things that are just noise. Where Belichick is interesting because this will be a a test as to whether or not he's on the side of somebody who's gotten lucky a lot or the side of somebody who has a process or, you know, which which, you know, sort of spot on the continuum he is. I I sort of think he's more process oriented, but uh, I could be wrong. And, and, you know, and, you know, he also is getting older. Right. And so his his, you know, maybe some of the things I think about with, with respect to ruin and and, you know, winning today versus winning in 10 years. Some of those things might not apply as much as they did 10 years ago. Yeah, I think if I had to lead one way, I would lean that he will try and compete this year. But I am firmly, firmly in the camp that the only move for the Patriots is to tank right now and to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whoever it is, is the number one quarterback coming out next year. Um, and it seems like you're leaning the other way. People, people in the comments do not think that the tanking is part of the Patriot way. I, I am, I am firmly on the side of the, they should, they should tank. Um, and I also am not necessarily sure that they should tank for this, the quarterback next year. I think, I think this might be a multiple year thing because Belichick, unlike literally every other coach in the NFL, maybe save Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, has the equity to tank for multiple years. 
And and that is very true. And I'm not I'm honestly not surprised that people think it's not the Patriot way because we've had 20 years of them being excellent. Right. So that makes perfect sense. And and that's why I agree that I think if I had to go with what they end up doing, it is not tanking. Um, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Darius Slay to Philly. So they traded a third and a fifth, it appears. And Philly, unlike their friends in Dallas, when they trade for someone with value, immediately <laughs> have signed him to a deal. It looks I, I think I'm getting this right. Is it like three for 40 or something like that? Yeah, that's what. It, well, no, three isn't it 50 isn't it more? Yeah, is it more than the Byron Jones deal, I think? Okay. Um, I'll find out right now. But just, you know, on the face of this, here's the thing with Darius Slay. Last season did not have, did not earn a very high grade. Um, Seasons prior has been incredibly solid. A lot of that last season was what we have found with coverage, right? Which is that it's unstable. Yeah, we were, and Moo and I were talking about this on, on Twitter. The thing about, you know, trading for veterans when they're cornerbacks is that oftentimes you can get some value because you're buying at the trough, right? You're not, you're not buying, you know, with, with defensive ends and linebackers and other positions, you're the, the stability is sort of baked into the price. Whereas the instability, I think is still a, a market inefficiency for corners. Uh, yep. And so Slay had a rough year last year, but then the, the Detroit Lions rushed the least number of players in the NFL, and he was asked to cover a pretty solid collection of number one receivers on other teams, and he struggled. And that's going to happen. He was also hurt a little bit as well. So I think Philadelphia makes a good bet here. Doesn't mean he's going to work out, and I think Malcolm Jenkins is a big loss for them. But he, it, it's a good bet for them to make because they were, they've been abjectively awful at the position for the last two seasons. No, uh- so it's three for 50, 30 guaranteed. And um, one of my one of the takeaways that I had looking back on free agency was exactly what you said. There is value to be had at positions where volatility should be expected. And when there's value tied to those positions, you should still invest in them. Right. And you should. It's it's basically if it's honestly a great uh, analogy to what's happening right now in our economy. Right. Like. Currently, the economy is getting bludgeoned. What are smart people doing? They're investing right now, yeah. right? Because they've set themselves up in a position to do so, and they will profit later. And to me, that's what the Eagles are doing here. If I had to pick one move that, other than Tom Brady going to, to Tampa Bay, that will have the biggest impact on what we're watching in the playoffs, it's this one. Because the Philadelphia Eagles have not been able to cover anybody. And Darius Slay, taking out last year, the three years prior, is the fifth or sixth, I believe, highest graded corner, outside corner in the NFL. So that that gives you the potential to knock everyone down a peg and to all of a sudden go from having no one that can cover to having a decently deep secondary if they make a couple of other moves. Yeah, I think so too. And and the only impediment is the fact that the Dallas Cowboys are probably still way more talented than they are. Yep. Uh, you know, okay. but the the path to a wild card in the NFC is pretty clear for them because they, you know, you look at that division, it's still pretty weak. You know, Washington's actually strangely made some pretty good moves, uh, Kendall Fuller being one of them. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Giants are still kind of a mess. And, and so there's still a there's still a decent amount of. So, uh, so think about this, because I, I, you're right. The Cowboys, however, just let their top corner go. Yep, and they have, and the and the guy that's in his stead 
is a is kind of like a practice squad guy right now. Like they don't okay. have somebody replacing him. So we could see a flip flop of you know coverage stability, basically. Like you wrote an incredible article about how much being solid in coverage is important. And all of a sudden we could see the Cowboys not be solid in coverage. They have been uh, over the past couple of years relative to the Eagles and the Eagles could be. And this is why you sign your quarterback early instead of pushing it forward. Because last year the Cowboys dealt with a ton of noise. They always deal with a lot of noise and they're setting themselves up to deal with more noise than they ever have before because a Dallas Cowboy quarterback who's probably going to play well again given the environment that he has isn't going to be signed long term. Whereas the Eagles are just going to be sitting there. Maybe they get better injury luck. Maybe they sign Robbie Anderson. Maybe they sign Brashad Perryman. Maybe they draft uh, Justin Jefferson or Denzel Mims, right? Maybe their offensive line doesn't get a, a ton of injuries. Their secondary doesn't get a ton of injuries. And that vision all of a sudden just flips. Yeah. And that's, and that's always the, the, uh, you know, risk that you have when you buy stars, right. And stars are sort of the fulcrum, uh, or, or you, you build a team full of stars and then a star leaves. That's always the difficulty. We know that Philadelphia values, you know, sort of depth more, more so and, and why they were able to, you know, win the division last season, despite a lot of players being out and how they won a Super Bowl in 2017 doing so because they, they understand they value sort of the, the weak links of, of the team better than most teams do. I'm, I'm with you. I'm bullish on the Eagles once again. Um, hopefully this is setting up too perfectly for them. to The, be the, the Falcons. Falcons. They are the Falcons. Oh uh, my God. We can't, yeah. apparently they're interested in Yannick and Gakwe too. Um, which it de- I mean, obviously it depends how much they would pay him, right? Are they getting him for a deal? Probably not. And this is going to send Philadelphia Eagles Twitter into a frenzy. Um, man, uh, that would be, what do you think they, they would have to pay for him? Well, I think he's probably in that twenty million a year range. You know, the Frank Clark. Frank Clark was actually twenty one something, um, which is just I don't know, man. I, you know, if you after you adjust for circumstances, Ngakwe's a little bit better than average as a pass rusher. So you're you're paying a lot for a player who's probably still going to be productive for you, but probably production you can get elsewhere. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. This would really. <laughs> This would take a lot of the things I just said away. If you're the Eagles, they – so this is where the luck versus process comes into play, right? If you or I are running the Eagles, we go, okay, we got Darius Slay. What's the next coverage guy we can get? Because we know that a star alone does not make your coverage unit strong. And then they go, okay, we got Darius Slay. We're good. Now we just need another pass rusher. And to me, that is a – I mean, they've invested a ton in their pass rush, right? They have Brandon Graham, they have Fletcher Cox, they drafted Derek Barnett. Like, to me, this would make no sense. So I'll be very interested to see um, what the Eagles do with this going forward. Um, I had on here larger free agent takeaways for us to talk about. I've given a couple of mine. Are there any others that you've had over the past few days just watching everything that's happened? Uh well, I'm I'm very happy with you know as somebody who roots for the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm very happy that they have sat out. Um, I'm a little bit interested in the interior defensive lineman market. Uh, Michael Pierce going to the Vikings for nine million. 
Um, you know, obviously Buckner for 21 to the Colts. It, it's really <laughs> interesting that, for me to see what will happen with Chris Jones uh, because I, I don't know what they're, the Chiefs are going to get as compensation for him. And they're sort of hamstrung right now. They have yet to cut Sammy Watkins, so they're basically right at the cap. So that's an interesting one. Um, but just some teams that are making – like Detroit seems to be making a string of pretty good decisions. Uh, the Dolphins seem to be making a string of pretty good decisions, namely Byron Jones. So the, the two Belichick disciples appear to be doing some good things. And I, I tweeted this out the other day. I was like, I'm not going to get my hopes up about Detroit. Like, I'm just not going to allow this to happen uh, for the second straight year. But I do think that they're um, looking, uh, you know, looking okay. Um, and then there are just teams that are just head scratchers. The Minnesota Vikings make zero sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. They just signed, They just said that they weren't. They didn't want to resign Mackenzie Alexander because the price is too high. He goes to the Bengals who signed him for one year, $4 million. The Vikings pay Shamar Stefan $5 million a season. They just paid a fullback $4 million a season, and their punter $3 million. Like, and a nose tackle $9 million. So, like, I don't understand what's going on there. Um, it does appear like this is the last season for Zimmer and company. Um, obviously, it's good that none of these running backs are getting signed other than Jordan Howard. Uh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of just and and no wide receivers really. Wide receivers, wide receiver and running back have been mostly silent in this free agency period, which is really interesting to me. Yeah, uh, the one I think those are all those are all excellent big takeaways. One other one that I had um, is the importance of you know we we spend a ton of time looking at the the results and using prior results that are stable to predict you know future results. And one of the things that that I think is like a real life tangible takeaway from looking at this is that being able to manage people is really important if you want to have good numerical results on the field. And I look at DeAndre Hopkins. I look at Darius Slay. I look at players who have a tremendous amount of value and because of a mismanagement are, are getting, you know, DeAndre Hopkins literally given away, like an absolute, it, just a disaster for a franchise. And you need to have people who understand how to work with people. They can't just be diagramming plays. They just can't be only setting up a game plan uh, because if you do, you are going to lose players that can actually help you win games. And I just don't think every NFL team, many NFL teams, do not have that structure in place, and it's going to show up on the field. Yeah, uh, and the, it's it's amazing it's amazing how yeah those things get compartmentalized, and then this time of year we just have you know then we those things get compartmentalized, and then this time of year we are left like wondering why all these inconsistencies happen. But I can see just the the point you put you, you just made. It's like maybe maybe. Maybe what what percentage of teams twenty five to twenty eight uh, total are are just sort of swimming, and we're seeing the outcome of that. Yeah, I mean, Stephon Diggs is another one, right? DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs are two of the top, easily ten, right? Maybe you could say five or six if you want to put Diggs in there. I I happen to think Diggs is phenomenal um, receivers in the NFL, and none of them have done anything. Uh, that has been made public to, to insinuate that they're anything other than your average top 10 receiver in terms of 
you know, uh, what they what they do as a person. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins has had multiple stories done on, you know, what he's been through with his mother and what she had to go through and, and by all accounts has done, uh, you know, a lot to to kind of act upon what he's had to deal with. Um, and to not be able to keep those guys in a building where you are trying to win a Super Bowl and, get, you know, sell them for parts, it's it's inexcusable. Uh, to be perfectly honest, but it's something that you can take advantage of if you're another NFL team, and that's what the Cardinals and the, and the Bills have done. So, yeah, I think it'll be very interesting to watch uh, if any more of those things happen. Um, should we talk a little draft impact here? Yeah, let's talk a little bit draft impact. I got our our mock draft up here, <laughs> trying to look for situations that might change as a result. Interestingly, though, right corner has been a position that people have signed a little bit. Tackle has been a position people have signed a little bit. Wide receiver, not so much. Mm-hmm. So are people really looking at the – because, you know, Vikings fans trying to, like, trying to clap back at my, you know, tweets about how they have no clue what they're doing right now uh, has said, well, there's a ton of receivers in the draft, you know. And, yep. you know, there, and some are even saying they should trade Anthony Harris to move up 12 picks because C.D. Lamb is Anthony Harris better than T. Higgins. And ah. it's like – and it's like, sense. are they are are teams right now overvaluing some of these the certainty of wide receiver drafting right now? That's what it would seem to lead you to believe. I refuse to believe that that's actually the case. I I happen to think it's more of a this is a sign of what teams are valuing right now in the NFL. Like I, what you're looking at is a glass half full, right? These signings indicate that people. Uh, in the league really like uh, you know the receivers in the draft and they're going to draft them high and I think it might be no all we need are interior defensive linemen and tackles and they're still going to go incredibly high Um, but but I would I would hope that it is what you've said and, and I think that's when we come up with our second mock that'll be you know indicated there the the big takeaway that I have right now about what what the draft looks like, and this doesn't actually change our mock, but is is anyone valuing quarterback, and particularly any quarterback other than Tua and Burrow as a first-round player? I think the evidence would say no. Except for maybe the Chargers. Except for the Chargers, yeah. Yeah, because I think if I were to, like, if I had to bet on this, I would say that the Chargers are probably in play for Herbert or Love, whichever one they like more, uh, at six. Can we talk about this for a second? If that's the case, then they might just be the most brain-dead. What on earth do you gain from calling Tyrod Taylor your starter right now? Absolutely nothing. Well, here's what I can say probably would be what you earn from it. The I think Tyrod Taylor is is Teddy Bridgewater like in that he's revered around the league. Okay. So, you know, just like you know, maybe to a lesser extent, but like that's maybe how. How how does that? I think it hurts. So if I'm looking at this, if I go, um, so let's say that let's say that I there's two options. Either I'm not going to draft a quarterback, I'm not going to sign one, and Tyrod Taylor is my guy, actually. Okay. Then your goal is to make the number six pick as valuable as possible, in which case you do not say 
Tyrod Taylor is for sure my starter. Okay. Second option is that they are going to draft a guy. And in that case, you're going to draft a guy after having said, hey, this player that you all revere, we told him he was going to be the starter, and then we draft someone, and, and that makes you look like a, a, you know, a, a poor group of people. Like, yeah. uh, so I think either way, it's a bad decision. No, I don't disagree with that, but the, but the other – what's the alternative? The alternative, if, the alternative is to keep Tyra Taylor hanging and then – and do the exact same thing, which I don't think endears you to anybody but, either. But you can – can't you – it's it's possible to have a conversation with a player that is not a public statement, right? So yeah, but I don't think that that's what was said. I don't think they said to Tyrod Taylor. I think the reports are that they're planning to go with Taylor, which is probably a report that they got from like an agent or somebody in trying to sign Chris Harris. Because if I'm Chris Harris, I'm saying, okay, if I'm going to sign with the Chargers, I want to hmm. know that you at least have a plan at quarterback. And they're Maybe. probably saying, look, look, we're going with Tyrod. And he's like, oh, cool, Tyrod's not that bad. All right, let's go. And then that's like that gets that gets leaked and then that's more of what i'm saying i agree with you that you're it, being such an optimist today yeah uh, that's sort of what i'm that's sort of where i'm saying is like i think to convince some players to come play there they wanted to imply some sort of certainty at the quarterback position also knowing that like herbert's not starting year one anyway the, because the, unlike right. any other offseason i mean this 2011 was different neither right? did baker yeah, but at least they had like an off season. Like 2011's the last time we saw um 2011's the last time we saw like an off season that was pretty abbreviated and there were four first round draft picks taken and Ponder started by week 7 so he he sat behind McNabb for 6 weeks. Uh mm-hmm. Blaine or uh, Jake Locker sat behind Matt Hasselbeck for the whole season and uh I'm trying to think of Jake uh sorry Gabbert sat behind Luke McCown for like two weeks, right? So like none of those teams started their, you know, that quarter, that second tier quarterback cam started from week one, but like the other guys, it took them because they didn't have really an off season. Yeah, no, that's and great. So I, I would just say, I would just say that they're, they're just trying to, to, to tell people like we, we have a plan at starting quarterback and the alternative is to either sign somebody that you don't actually plan to play like a Mike Lennon or somebody like that, like, a you know, how the bears did with him or it's to, you know, or to let everybody hanging. But then I don't think that that gives anybody who's going to sign as a free agent much confidence. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So I'm looking through the picks here. I think the lions Letting Slay walk would indicate that Jeffrey Okuda at three would make a ton of sense. Now, it's interesting. If the Redskins do take two at two, you know, the Lions are sitting there with, with Chase Young still on the board, and, and we would have the Giants taking a wide receiver. We've explained this many, many times. You can go read it and, and hate on it on PFF.com if you would like to. Um, I, I think it's a very interesting debate, and, um, you know, the math would lead you to, to, to take wide receiver, and so that's what we took. And then you've got the Dolphins. And I think the Dolphins are in a super interesting spot right now because if they if they are able to draft a Tua, um, then if he's good, like why can't they be the best team in in the AFC East? I, I don't think that's totally ridiculous. That AFC East is not very good, but if they can't, why? Would they potentially try and package those picks? Would they try and either get a quarterback that's established? Would they move down? Would they sign a Jameis Winston? I think five is where it starts to get really interesting because then you have the Chargers, you have the yeah. Cardinals, then at eight. Um, a lot of things, I think, could change from there on out. 
I might have to eat these words, but I think the Dolphins are way too smart to draft anybody other than Tua or Burrow. And, and, and trade down in, in every other situation? Well, or just take the pick, right? Like, I mean, if, if Chase Young falls to them at five, they, you know, it's probably a solid pick to take him. Oh, sure. But, uh, but, yeah. I, but I would say that the only thing for me that's off the table for the Dolphins at five is to take Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. You know, right. I think everything else is on the table because Ryan Fitzpatrick is good enough to win seven or eight games with especially with the defense that's being rebuilt, especially with uh, another year uh, with, you know, the coaching staff sort of more, uh, you know, uh, although they fired their offensive coordinator, I believe, but like, you know, the uh, more stability, like, and winning, like if they win nine games, they might win the AFC East. So like, I, I, I think continuing in a holding pattern is probably a good idea for them if they're not able to get one of the top two guys. No, I, I agree with you. Um, be interesting to see what the Cardinals do. I, I, there's now a, a reason for them more so to look at tackle. Um, yeah. But, man, I, I, would be, I would be trying to sign offensive linemen for kind of cheap and saying, hey, we're actually going to be good next year. Go get a – man, if, if Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs are still there, like just give, give Cliff – you know, let, let Cliff cook, right? Like give yeah. Kyler an opportunity to make a ton of plays, be an awesome offense – um, the, another pick that I think is really interesting, um, is the Tampa Bay Bucks at 14. Like, are they going to use that pick or is this a, we're all in right now and a rookie isn't going to help us as much type deal? I think a rookie. Well, so the problem is, is Brady has never done well with rookie wide receivers ever, ever. So like the, and so that could be a product of how difficult the offense was in new England, or it could be a Brady thing. Um, so I don't know if wide receivers like a, a wide receiver makes sense if you think first order, but if you think second order, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them. So do the Bucks trade back? Do they uh, do they acquire maybe another offensive lineman to sort of stock up there, or yeah. do they go deep? I think trading back is a brilliant decision, especially um, because they've been linked to Jordan Love so much that you know a team that wants to get desperate and, tra- and draft him there, you can trade back and take a better you know younger quarterback like Anthony Gordon or Jake Fromm or somebody like that later in the draft uh, as a, and somebody who's less threatening to Brady, if you will, Arizona, you bring up Arizona. I think the best move for Arizona is to, is to acquire defense hmm. um, in that spot because you, know, you have Kirk, you have Hopkins, you have Fitz, you have Andy Isabella, you have Charles Clay is a decent tight end. Although I'm not exactly sure of his status, that offensive line played pretty well last year and played all the games together. Um, more or less and like it's one of those where th- if they take our advice they're going to say look our offensive line's a bunch of guys that grade in the 60s and pff says as long as they're together and and, and solid that's fine sure. their, def- their defense is not good enough to win with in the nfc west and uh you know and they could use a corner you know robert alford's currently a starter for them byron murphy struggled a season ago uh they they they've got Kennard and and Phillips on the defensive line this this off season. Um, but they they could really use a secondary player. I mean, like what about really, Isaiah Simmons? Yeah, if he's there by then, for sure. Because um, I because because Reddick was a, a former number one pick who hasn't really worked anywhere they've used him. Jordan right. Hicks was acquired last year uh, to play linebacker, and he kind of struggled a little bit. 
Um, and also like they have already, they kind of already were putting together some defense, uh, positionless players in Buda Baker and so on. So that makes a lot of sense, but corner, I mean, Patrick Peterson's not going to play forever, right? Like, even if you right. just look at like their roster, I think, I think if Arizona made the Hopkins move to win now, they should probably draft to accentuate that chance. And it, it, to me, just getting more players in that secondary who are halfway decent is, uh, is the, is the goal. Uh, going down further, it looks like the Falcons <laughs> should take our advice and go corner. Um, and you know they already stay, basically they've already overpaid an edge player. It'd be very hurtful to see them double down on that in the draft. We have them taking Trayvon Diggs, um, and then the Cowboys are right behind them. And the Cowboys letting Byron Jones go, it would seem as though they would be in the market, you know, to also in, improve their secondary. So it'll be very interesting to see where. You know, Akuda will be gone, but like the Christian Fultons, the Trevon Diggs, Antoine Winfield Jr., C.J. Henderson, like those guys, do you know, the Cowboys might have a, a really high opinion of this corner class and made it easier to part with Byron Jones. I think that will be that'll be interesting to see. Um, any the, others? Uh, the, any the, the, that, the Cowboys, the Cowboys have history of trading up for defensive backs that they really like. I mean, Morris Claiborne was somebody who I'm trying to remember how much they gave up, but they moved into the top five just to draft him. I think if Okuda falls, like let's say he hmm. gets to pick five, that might be the, that might be the place where the dolphins move back and Dallas goes up and gets him. Cause they, they've done that historically. Uh, and, I like and, that I, a lot. and I think that that's something that uh, could very well happen. I like that a lot. Um, that's good. We'll try and do, a second iteration of our mock uh, next week. Um, at, let's. I have a couple things left. The first one is uh, Todd Gurley's on the trading block. What are you giving you, up for Todd Gurley? Did you see my tweet? They were so they were talking to some. They're they're in discussions about Gurley, and I was like, I thought yeah. I was the only one who talked to myself. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I said yeah. maybe they're maybe they're looking for uh, doomsday supplies. Um, I doubt that anyone would part with toilet paper in exchange for Todd Gurley. The Rams are uh, another example of a team that I think is not stupid, but makes stupid decisions. You know, that, I mean, that contract looks as bad as we said it was. And um, man, I, I we get a ton of things wrong. This one was not one of them. These huge running back contracts are absolutely stupid and there's no other way to put it the Todd Gurley contract the Zeke Elliott contract he was different he's though. just dumb yeah different. right he was different like Leonard Fournette uh like all these running backs before him every one of I, them I honestly different. can't I can't think of a single thing um that would make me excited about giving up an asset for Todd Gurley and I, I tweeted this yesterday but Todd Gurley is going to be the player who in order for someone to take his contract, you should be getting a first or second round pick in in addition to Todd Gurley. I should yeah. be getting something to take on his salary, and a team that doesn't have a legit shot at winning a Super Bowl this year should do it. Here's here's one. Here's one I like. The Patriots. Wow. That's brilliant. Right? The, the problem is that the Rams don't really have any picks to trade. Yeah. So like I could the, see. Yeah, I, I, you make one hundred percent sense. But the Pats, the Pats don't eat. The Pats want to get a second round for Sanu back. That's true. But they have some. They have Sony Michelle. That's the problem. They already have the engine. 
that I love the Patriots doing that. That that would fit so perfectly with what they should be doing. They take on Todd Gurley. They get a couple of future picks back. They play the long game. Um, and you know what? You know what'd be really funny. What they'll do is they will. Todd Gurley will will play well for the Patriots, and then they'll end up they'll end up flipping him for actually you know something in return for some you know they'll trade him to Bill O'Brien in two years or something when he's had this miraculous knee resurrection. Uh, and they'll actually get whatever picks are left from the from the Houston Texans. Um, all right, anything else before we get to uh, Cincy Y stories? Oh, that's right. Uh, no, I like. I just want to for all you people that have been listening during this time. I know it's been a trying time for everybody. We really appreciate you guys listening to our show. It's been a lot of fun uh, connecting. You know, just the two of us every single day and talking football. Um, hopefully we continue that, uh, during this, uh, you know, this off season, but thank you all for listening. I, I second that someone asked a Steelers fan in that vein. I think we should try and answer some yeah. questions real quick. Steelers fan at Steelers dad, 1989 asked about like, is Dupree really that bad of a, of a tagging for the Steelers? Um, he only had one good season, you know, maybe he, that's the season. And I would say that's, it is it is not smart to say, hey, this latest season is is the only one that matters, given the propensity for everything else to have been bad. And the, the, it accentuates itself, I think, with edge because those are players that you can get cheaply and can perform well. And you're paying a premium for a player that has, by and large, not performed well. Yeah, the only comeback I'll have to that is um, is that there's a chance I think well for one thing I believe defensive linemen are all considered the same right Mm -hmm. so like it's like franchise tagging a guard is a dumb idea because they're they get the same tag as a tackle and and I think if Dupree got the linebacker tag it's a it's a smaller it's a smaller amount I agree with you that like fundamentally I don't like Dupree as a player because he, you know, he's only had the one good season and, you know, we've seen that, uh, you know, Nick Perry was that way for the Packers and like all, you know, there's a ton of edge players that somehow randomly figure it out, you know, mm-hmm. when it, when it's the year end minus one of their contract. But, um, but there is this, there is an issue. I think I, I actually have to find how much he was tagged for, but if he's tagged so, as a 15, 15.8. Yeah, so is that really that's not that's five, you know, he if he hits the open market, he's probably making two or three more per year than that. And so I do think there are inefficiencies in the tag, right? If you can tag a tackle, uh a, an edge player, um you know, corner tagging a corner's probably bad because again like the yeah. way that the salaries are working out. But so it, it yeah, really just depends on outside linebacker. Yeah, exactly. So so to me, like that's not as bad of a move because he's being paid like what Anthony Barr is being paid. But um, but it, it really makes you wonder, OK, um, the, the issue with the tag is what if he perfor- what if he performs as well as you think he's going to perform, then you're stuck. Right. And we saw that with Justin Houston. We saw that with Eric Berry. We say the, the, those inevitably end poorly. And if he stinks, why did you tag him in the first place? Is <laughs> really, you know, and, and so the it, there's not a, it's tough. Um, so I don't think it's the worst move in the world, but um, I wouldn't expect great things out of him in 2020. Okay. Uh, yeah, thanks to everyone for tuning in. We uh, did a couple of extra pods this week in the hopes that maybe a couple people um, got a few more hours of 
something to do. It's been a fun week. We will not be potting uh, tomorrow, um, but we'll be back on Monday uh, of next week. Uh, before we do Cincy Y, you can head to pff.com. You can read all of the live blogging, the deal grader, all that stuff. Plus, there's a promo code, NFL2020, so you get 25% off. This is your opportunity to buy into something at a lower price and see the <laughs> payment uh, off at the end. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really good deal, and we're going to do as much as we can to give you guys some really good products leading up to the season, which I am bullish is going to happen. All right. Cincy Y in your home. How's it going? Oh, man. Yesterday it rained cats and dogs, so I didn't get to have my run. I, I okay. ran the other day for the first time in a month because of my calf. So that was that was exciting, although uh, I'm not sure I'm quite strong. Uh, but a lot of push-ups, a lot of sit-ups, George. Uh, okay. you know, that's, that's kind of it right now. What about you? So I'm in uh, California, and it's been sunny for the first few days. So I've been, I've been going on like a long run, and I haven't seen a whole lot of people, uh, as you would expect. But whenever I do see someone, so like I'm not a good runner. I'm a, I'm a very poor runner, to be honest with you. But I force myself to do it because, um, you know, it, it's good for you. And so I'm huffing and puffing my way down like, you know, mile three and a half or whatever. And I'll see someone and I, I find myself going out of my way to run, you know, run six feet around because I don't want them thinking that, you know, my huffing and puffing is going to, you know, uh, give them the virus or anything like that if I were to be carrying it. So that's that's my one takeaway um, from outside activities. Yesterday it was raining here. So I'm in the garage and my level of creativity had to go up a new notch. I did – I was side shuffling lengths of the garage. I was bear crawling lengths of the garage. I've probably <laughs> done like t- thousands of burpees at this point. I hate burpees um, now but I am doing – at some point, like a month from now, I'll probably be doing things that I've never even imagined to just try and stay in shape because I'm quarantining. So good luck to all of you out there. This is not an excuse. This is not an excuse to not stay in shape. Let me just point that out. Yoga, lots of things you can do. So yeah, just maybe not, maybe, well, hot yoga, would that kill the virus? I feel like it would get if we went historically but I don't know, but it would like the problem is heat has an adverse effect on people who are sick. So, right. so I, I would just go to your yoga. home is expensive. Right. And we're, although oil is at an all time, like I, I, gas is like 89 cents right now. No, that is true. Um, yeah, all these, yeah. all these variables that we're thinking about right now, when we could be thinking about football. This is true. Um, anyways, my, my big point is to everyone out there, all five of you that are listening, this is not an excuse. Keep it going. You too, big dog. Um, that's all I've got. Eric, stay safe, man. See you guys. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg. 
and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, grilled onions and a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm, ba ba ba. I participate in McDonald's.